Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We're so excited today because we have Christy Dame here from The Playful Nest, and she is going to talk to us all about children and how to play with our children in a good, purposeful, connective way, which since we've been in quarantine, I haven't been doing the best job at. (laughs) I've been trying so hard. Because I'm with my kids all day long. And so I'm trying to like be good and be connecting with them and not have us spiral out into craziness. So we thought that for a quarantine chat, it would be great to invite an expert here and have Christy just teach us so many things. So Christy, thank you for joining us. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Okay, so Chrissy, why don't you just go ahead and tell us about the Playful Nest and where you came from with that and your profession? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a counselor and I primarily have worked with children and I just love the power of play and have seen it in the counseling room and really wanted to translate that into like our everyday life at home as parents because I felt like there's so much power behind it. And I am currently not seeing any clients, and so I decided to come up with something that I could uh, just be able to give parents at home via online. So I have a podcast and Instagram, and there are different things and things that can inspire parents and families just to get together and play more. It's so awesome. And I noticed on your Instagram account lately, you do an Ask, Ask the Therapist Thursday. Yeah. I do. I do. I love that. I love connecting with other mamas and parents. And I, the questions they ask are totally legit. I've been there and I love it and um, really simple. So we connect that way. I usually just have people send me in a DM so that I can have a good conversation there. And then I share some with just everybody too, as well. So Yeah. yeah, it's a great way to connect. That's a great resource for people who might be struggling right now. If you're like, I don't think we need full-blown therapy, but we might have a small question. They could reach out to you, which is so nice of you. Absolutely. And I think that is a lot of the questions that are asked because as parents, sometimes we don't know, do our kids need therapy right now? Is this something major or is this normal? I even ask myself, is this normal? But it (laughs) is just something we all have to figure out. And a lot of times it is really normal. I think that's even comforting in itself just to know, okay, this is normal. Mm-hmm. We can get through it. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting right now because with our, like, what is our normal? Like we have pre-quarantine normal and now we have post-quarantine normal and we're all trying to figure out what our routines are and everything like that. So, so Christy, why don't you tell us about, first, I want to understand more the difference between playing with your kids and intentional play. Absolutely. I get the question all the time. Well, I, I don't really have time to play or I 
I, what if I am too tired or I just don't feel like playing with my child? And my answer to that usually is that it's not necessarily the play that matters. It's, I think in our mind as adults, we think, oh, I got to go and I got to come up with a big show of what I'm going to be playing with my child. I have to come up with imaginative play, but it's not. It's really more about just showing up. And so that intentional play or that purposeful play is really just creating space to allow that to happen. And I think something parents don't realize, and that's part of wanting to start the playfulness, is um, the power of play for kids is so vital to the way that they communicate and they process and then they learn. They aren't equipped with the cognitive skills to be able to talk about things, but they can definitely play it out in their playroom or with us. Mm -hmm. And so just allowing space for that to happen is really all that is. It's not necessarily having to show up and play on their same level. It's just providing that space. And so it kind of, it's the same thing, but it's different. It's reframing what we think play should look like. It is. It's setting aside what your agenda for the play is and letting the child decide the agenda and letting them speak to you through their play. Uh, exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. I, I, I come from a child-centered play therapy, which means that I allow the child to process their world through play without me setting up, it up or putting my agenda in there. And I think if we just can allow that to happen and we're just a witness, our kids will show us what they want to show us or what they need to. And through that, there's connection that happens. And that's where the purposeful play is. There's this connection that you can't get with just anything else for young kids, for young kids. Mm -hmm. How long would you say that that lasts? I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are like, okay, young kids, like I have my three-year-old, that makes sense. But what about like a 10-year-old to a 15-year-old? How do you feel like play factors into their language, like the way that they're communicating? Yeah, how it changes. Well, as a child develops, their brain is developing and their linguistic side of their brain is developing and they're able to have more cognitive skills. And as that happens, their imaginative play sort of decreases and they're not so much into that imaginative play, which really happens like around different for everybody, but eight to 10 is when they start to try to drop off in that imaginative, like they're imagining and they're in, in their world of play. So somewhere around there, but I have to tell you that if you keep it up, I have a 10-year-old that still wants to play that way with me. And he doesn't necessarily maybe play that all the time, but he can dip in and out of it when he wants to. Whereas my four-year-old is in and out of that imaginative play all the time because that's just where his brain is. I think it makes sense to have kind of like a different, like allowing the child to be where they're at, but not judging. I think parents do kind of get to that point where they're kind of judging their kids who are maybe 10 and still going into that imaginative play. But I think what the point that you're making is that they still have that capability to go into it. They're not going to stay there forever, but it's still so good for them to be able to express themselves that way because they can't still understand and process everything about their world. So they might need imagination or that's when like, books can become a really good escape kind of a thing because they need something to process their world because they don't have all of the words for it yet. But like, I remember yes. still playing with Barbies, you know, when I'm 10 and 12 and stuff and 
if someone had been like, you're too old, that would have been really sad for me, you know? Absolutely. I remember the day that I had a friend that was also on, we were kind of transitioning of the Barbie play and I, she wanted to play as well. And I remember feeling that relief of like, oh, we're on the same page. We can still (laughs) tap into that together (laughs) without anyone knowing. But yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think you're right. Parents do. I, I think parents just don't value that type of play. And I think if they understood how a child processes their world through that play and how therapeutic it could be, it would change. But you're right. I think um, another way would be writing. You, you mentioned books, but I think also just storytelling. Something that my kids and I love to do is um, like gather a few objects in the house and put it in a bag and then pull them out one by one and then just start storytelling and making up stories on whim and then having someone else maybe finish the story or just things like that can tap into that imaginative play. And it's really fun. I love that. Now, I feel like since you and Jessica both come from such a strong play background, there's people like me that I'm thinking about applicable steps, especially in a quarantine setting where I'm like, okay, I want to create this space and I want to connect, but I don't really know how to start. So could you give us some examples or kind of paint a picture for us of what that can look like if you're a parent trying to do this for the first time and want to know how to start this process with your kid? So I think something that a parent could do is just remember, like I said earlier, is that it's just holding the space, not necessarily having to come up with play. And one thing I love to do is something called special play. And it sounds like I think you guys have talked about it before, but just a refresher is you have a box and you have some special play time toys in there and you just, it's just you and them without distractions, putting the phone away. And during this time, you're reflecting how they're feeling and what they're playing, but you don't necessarily have to enter their play unless they ask you. And you're really holding the space of, I see you, I hear you, I'm here, and I care. And in my course, I actually even add you belong, which I got from Brene Brown. Because I love that idea of like, you belong here in this space, exactly who you are. And you can show me what you want to show me, and I'm not going to judge you. And this isn't a moment of praising. This is just me holding the space and I'm just witnessing you, if that makes sense. And so as a parent, you're just creating that space of, I accept you for you. And I'm going to show up who I am and you can show up who you are as your true self. Yeah. And sometimes kids show up in weird ways. And so it is, it's a good practice in suspending judgment to be like, yes. why is my child beating that baby doll? I'm not sure, but I'm suspending yes. judgment and I'm just noticing and reflecting that to the baby, to my child, you know? Yes, and I get that question all the time about maybe some aggressive play that happens in a play session or like a playtime with your child and they, they get concerned about that. But I have to also remember, remind them that just because they're playing it out doesn't mean that they really need to have the desire to do that they're not going to go and handcuff somebody or you know they're just playing out these roles and these different things in the way that they know how and we just allow that without judgment yeah so with the baby doll the need of processing that that's probably a huge piece of who they are as a transitioning into something else or some sort of transition and and wanting to go back to that space and so allowing that to for them to be able to play out what they want in reality in fantasy is so helpful. I think that's one of my 
the, the tools as a parent that I use often is just putting that out there, like allowing them to play it out and then they're not going to really necessarily need it in reality because they've played it out already. They've worked through it. They can now move on. Yes. Yes. I love what you guys were talking about, about the parents withholding judgment on what the children are doing or how they're playing. We just saw this in our home. Um, my, both of my kids have been doing a lot of death play, like people dying and things, you know, and at first it made me very uncomfortable as a parent. And I remember talking to my daughter's therapist about it being like, Oh, she's doing all these things. I feel like I should, should step in there and be like, Hey, we don't, cause my thing was always, we don't joke about death. Like death isn't funny. You know, like it makes people very sad and stuff like that. And then that there, our therapist looked at me and she goes, well, that's how they process death, Taylor. <laughs> and then just, just the thing that you can always keep learning lessons. And she goes, that sounds like that's a lot more about you than it is about her. And I said, oh my gosh, you're so right. It's all about me. And it's because the concept made me uncomfortable. And so then I was judging her play and what she was processing. So even if something makes you uncomfortable, that's you. It doesn't belong on them, just like what you guys are talking about. Yes, absolutely. And what a great space for them to practice that. I think every parent will probably hear their child play out something. My kids have played quarantine tag, or no, sorry, they played. <laughs> oh, um, Corona tag. Oh. <laughs> tag where once they hit, they get somebody, they have the coronavirus, and then the next person, and I don't even know where they came up with that, but they have that need, and they hear the messages going on, and they need to process it, and that's the way that they're doing it, so it's completely healthy for them to talk about death. In fact, it's it's great that they're doing that. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. mentioned that reflective listening and talking and kind of tracking their place. So can you give us some examples of how parents would do that in their special playtime? Yeah. So something that as a therapist, as a child center therapist or as a play therapist, we track, which means that we reflect what we see our, that child doing. And it's a great way for us to let them know that we're watching, we're there. And it helps us keep present. Honestly, it helps me keep awake when I, when I'm tracking what they're doing. So many that times. Is basic, yeah. Right. It helps you. Yeah. Be present. And I feel like that's such a great thing to even bring into your relationship that you're just aware. It's like your brain is processing what that person's doing. It's not thinking about our grocery list and who we need to call or our, our phones. You're just processing what they're doing and what you see. And that's powerful and enough. You would actually just point out the object and have them, oh, you're moving that over there. And I see that you're doing that. Or you're just pointing out, you're like the, you are like the announcer at a, at a football game and you're just announcing whatever is happening. And then the reflection of the feeling for me is probably the most powerful thing that we can learn as parents for our children, because you can use that anytime, anytime you see your child who's displaying some sort of emotion, you can just reflect that what you see them without anything else, no questions or anything else like after that. And they, Mm -hmm. they feel it. They are now understanding how they feel. And so they're moving the two different parts of the brain so they can really tap into that and understand how they feel and put a label on it. So while you're in that play setting and you're tracking, you were just saying how the emotion or, or naming the emotion is the most important and powerful part. So what does that sound like in that play interaction? Really, it's just focusing on, I like to focus on the four emotions because kids, I think it's just very basic. And a lot of 
the extra emotions kind of feed into these ones so that you're either happy, sad, mad, or scared. And I just will reflect when I see them present that. So if they're really angry in a, in a battle that's going on between two toys, I will just reflect it there like, oh, you look mad. Or I can tell from your face that that is frustrating. Like if a lot of times my kids will have a hard time opening something or doing something there. And they do get frustrated trying to open a Play-Doh lid or something like that. And I will just reflect to them why I see that, oh, you are so frustrated right now. Or if you want to use the language that of depending on what language they use, oh, you are so mad. Mm-hmm. I'm just reflecting their their basic emotion right there in the moment so that they can process that right in the moment. Yeah, I think a lot of kids don't necessarily even realize that they are feeling that emotion until you as the, ad- the adult can help them. By yeah, ab- it, absolutely. Know? Yeah. And not only that, at that, in that moment, you're teaching your child to be able to do the first step of emotional regulation, which will be to, after they can name their feelings and they can talk about their feelings and then they can tell you when they're feeling that. And then later they can tell their spouse when they're feeling that. And so you're really, especially boys, you're really setting them up to really tap into things that I think as a society, we try to um, push away. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love also what you said about you're helping them recognize that that emotion in that moment. Because I feel like at least with my kids a lot, they'll feel a lot of things and then they move on and then they play. And then all of a sudden, one of them is exploding. And for what seems to be no reason, right? But there is a reason and it's because they were feeling something previously that they hadn't processed. So I feel like like what you're teaching us right now of naming the emotion in the moment actually saves us later from maybe some of those behavioral difficulties when our child is exploding. Um, like I said, for what seems to be no reason, but it is actually from something that they were feeling before that wasn't processed. Yeah, right. And then it also helps them to be able to know before they get to that explosion, like, oh, I'm actually feeling that same feeling that I was feeling earlier where my test, my, my chest gets tight and this is mad. Yeah, exactly. And the reason why it's so important in the play space is that it's also sending that message that I hear you, I hear what's going on and I'm right here and you're there in that space. And so you're just really conveying those messages still that you are aware that they are feeling that and and they matter. They actually do matter. I mean, so with special play, you said you would just have like the one child at a time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have multiple kids, what do you do? I guess is the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a legit question for sure. And I think that's something that comes up. I have tried to do multiple children at once just to test. And really, you cannot get into the deep level of connection. There is too much going on with different relationships happening in that moment. It can be a fun playtime and a fun um, sibling moment. But the connection that you get one-on-one is so vital to that space. And the reason why I like to do it for at least, if you can at least get in 15 minutes, because it takes a while to get into that vulnerability of a deep play and it takes a while to build up to it. And I would say if you can carve out that time and put it on your calendar, and if it's not every week, but it's every two weeks and it's just a consistent every two weeks and you just rotate with your children, like once a week, every child, maybe you have four kids and you just do one something is better than nothing. I think we get 
so wrapped up on the on the all or nothing, but something is better than nothing. And in this time of quarantine, when we're homeschooling and doing so much already, even if you have to scale back to, it's not even an official playtime, like a play session, but it's just, we're going out to the sandbox and I'm just going to reflect their feelings and I'm going to track what they're doing. That in itself is huge. And so I think mm-hmm. it's just being able to adapt to whatever you're at. It's so much better than not doing anything at all. Yeah. Because any time of connecting with your child is going to be a drop in that bucket and they're going to feel that love and they can pull from that love later when you maybe are more frustrated or busy, that kind of a thing. Absolutely. Yep. And and I think I have had to learn as a parent that some it doesn't have to look like a play session, like my play therapy session. It doesn't have to be this moment because in all reality, if I waited for that moment, sometimes those moments aren't going to present itself because I have so many kids or, or whatever, yeah. all home or, or whatever. So when you get to a point where you can, um, you have a 10 year old who can watch them and we can take turns. My kids sometimes will just do back to back play sessions and um, they'll be in a room and then I'll bring one in and then the next, because usually if I'm doing one with somebody, they all kind of want in on it. So we'll, we'll carve. Yeah. They kind of gravitate like, oh. towards it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They all love it. And even my 10 year old still wants to do it. I even am asking him, are you sure that this is something Are you still wanting to play it in the same way? Do you want to, you want to transition play special play time into something else that maybe is more interesting to you? And he says, no, he still wants to. And I don't, I don't know when that's going to change. I haven't figured that out, but he still loves it. Well, and I'm sure what he really loves is that being able to tap into that younger part of him that's still imaginative, but then have mom have her full attention. It's got to feel so good every time it happens for them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the key. It's just that, that connecting piece. Mm-hmm. So what would you transition it to? Like, what if you have a 16 year old and you say, Oh, I want to do the concept of special time, special play time, but I'm obviously not going to pull out a bag of toys. What are some other ideas for older kids? I think when they get to be that age, it's kind of, it's coming up with something that together and allowing them mm-hmm. to ask and asking them, okay, so I want to carve this time out for you. What is something that sounds interesting to you? And what would be in a, what would be something that you'd like to do with my full attention? and no distractions mm-hmm. and kind of see what they come up with because every, by that point, their start, their play is going to start to look different. And um, con- it's just about holding that space again of connecting with them through, through the, I see you, I hear you, I'm here and I care. I just, and you belong, you, you are part of this family and you're part of my life. And you, it could be something as simple as um, doing crafts or painting nails and just chatting, or it could be um, shooting hoops. It could be any of that one-on-one time going and grabbing ice cream where you're just, it's just more about you being present and um, they can maybe decide what they they want to do. Yeah, I think that that's a good idea. I think the more, and especially as they get older, the more buy-in you have from them, the more it's going to be successful because there will come a point where they're like, I don't want to spend time with you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, but we're hoping that if we, are investing now that later they won't it won't be that way as much mm-hmm. and kids really don't necessarily have to want to get into that role of I don't want to spend time with you 
I think we think that as parents, like our, Ooh, our kids I like are going to reach a point where they don't want to spend time with time with us. But if we can constantly be like dating them, or I don't know, if we can constantly be available, there really doesn't have to be a time that they're like, oh, I don't really want to spend time with. Obviously, peer culture and their friends is a big part of their development and who they are, and it's something that they are going to want. But you want to be the root that they can come back to always. You just want to constantly be there and that person that they can come and talk to you about anything. And so if you're creating the space now, you're laying that foundation for them to still, you can still be that secure person that they know that they can come back to when they, when things get really messy or hard. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, it's laying, it's just doing that and making yourself available. And for me, the, some of the times for my older kids is right before bedtime and that time of just laying um, somebody once said, instead of tucking them into bed, talking them into bed. And I love that because oh, yes. sometimes, yeah. sometimes, sometimes our, our best moments are just chatting or like joking around about something. And it's kind of something between us because he's kind of hit this age where he's a little bit older. You know, he's not quite, he's not quite his younger brothers, but he's a little older and he understands more and our conversations can go in a different way. And it's really fun. And I love that. And I think people are afraid of that teenage year, but I think it can be so wonderful if you have that connection that together where you understand each other and you have this mutual respect, which obviously you're going to test boundaries and there's going to be a lot of that mm-hmm. going on. But I think if you have the foundation where you've invested as a child, they'll be more likely to open up to you. And where parents don't understand is that investment has to do with that play because that's their way of communicating. And so we don't know that. We just think that if we talk to them, that they, they get it, you know, that they understand. But if we can, if we want to get deeper, deeper play, it's all about play or allowing them to play and show you. And you're just there is really what that is. So it's reframing what play means. And so when you're thinking, I don't really want to go and spend the time playing, or this isn't really important. I have a lot to do. We have a lot going on. Just recognizing that instead of thinking the word play, just thinking that your child's not asking you to play, they're asking you to show up. And so if your child reframed that word, mom, I want to play with you. Instead, just reframe it to mom, will you come listen to me for a moment? And if you think about that, yeah, of course we would. Wouldn't we just go and listen for a moment? Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. But when we hear play, all of a sudden we're like, Ooh, I don't want to get wrapped into that. I I have no interest there. (laughs) It's so true. And I've noticed at least in this quarantine with my kids, it's like I have a five-year-old, a three-and-a-half-year-old, and then a new baby. And I notice that when I'm doing things, you know, because we're always busy, like you said, we always have things to do when I'm, like, cleaning or picking up or trying to get work done or whatever. And I say, you guys just go play. Like, go play. They'll go play for a few minutes, and then they gravitate right back to me. But if I go into the room with them, and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's play, they will be there forever. And it's making so much sense about what you're talking about. It's me showing up for them. So they're like, yeah, we can play by ourselves, but we want to be with you. Like we want you to acknowledge us and show us that we have a place to belong. And so it, I need to get, I need to go, I need to go get in the playroom more. <laughs> well, yes. I'm going to say two things about that. Cause I think you're absolutely right. I think one thing I do is I, if I schedule it, I like the play time or like my, my um, attention time on them, like right before I'm about to now disengage and go do work. So they have it, they have a really full cup 
And then I get a lot yeah. more work done because it kind of flows into the rest of their day. They, they've, they've got that they feel great and they're kind of moving on and they're playing and it, it's awesome. Another thought I think is to remember that we don't have to be everything for our child all the time. And sometimes I feel like, especially during our situation with quarantine, I think there can be a lot of overwhelm because we feel like we have to be a teacher and we have to be, we're working, if we're working from home, we're trying to balance that and we're balancing everything. But if we understand that it is actually really healthy also for our children to play alone with siblings and do other things, they don't necessarily need us all the time. But if we can just show up and put that in our calendar or in our schedule, like I have a schedule at home and we, I, I write in the moments of that I have intentionally put in for those moments of like free play or whatever it will be. And then I have my moments where I need my space and I need to work and they need their one-on-one downtime too. So it's okay to not feel like you have to be everything and playing with your child all day long. That's unrealistic as well. Yeah. And it's hopefully yeah. can help parents understand that. Yeah. Yeah. That was really validating for me. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I needed to hear that too. Yeah, you don't have to be everything. Yeah, because yeah. they are. They're oh. the teacher and the, and then they're going to be the play therapist and they're going to, you know, it's like, I cannot be present with you at all today, you know, but realizing yeah. like what you said, if I give you my full attention for some time, then I can kind of pull from that bucket later when I do need to be working and you need to be somewhere else. Like it's appropriate to have different boundary time, but I do have to, at some point, give them my full attention in order for them to be able to feel like I do care and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it helps them to recognize that we all also have different um, needs for play. Like think about what, what we enjoy as play. Like sometimes work is really energizing and playful. We love that. Or maybe it's going for a run. I think teaching, like if we could just also just have a a culture of um, allowing us to be able to pick up on those moments of like, this is for me and I'm going to play because I just for the reason of playing and feeling good. It's also teaching Mm -hmm. our kids to learn those coping skills, which is really huge in mental health. I think a lot of the, the overwhelm right now for parents is because they feel like they have to do it all and they're not putting any self-care work in themselves yeah. and so if a, if a yes. parent is like I'm feeling really burned out I don't have any energy to add to my child's bucket I would probably really get curious about what that is what's going on inside you as a person to feel so burned out because it's not about your child right now it's not about the one extra thing it's really more about what's going on and where where do things need to shift and it's okay for our kids to see us take because then they're mod- we're modeling for them to be able to take care of themselves as well. Yeah. And I think it's okay to have, if you notice like you have a day where you're feeling really tired and really burnt out and it's harder to connect that day, but then, you know, the next day you're fine again versus you have like two straight weeks or all of quarantine is just feeling really, really hard. You can kind of say, okay, if I'm going to bounce back, it's just a hard day. That's fine. Okay. But- yeah, if I just have like two weeks of feeling really down, I think that's when you have to really assess like, why is this so difficult? What do I need to shift in my life so that I can be there for my kids and there for myself, you know? Yeah. 
Because they'll notice really it. At point. least my my kids have started to notice it. I remember the other night we're living away from their dad right now. Um, I'm staying with my parents and he's down working in a hospital. And so I was putting my daughter to bed. I was putting Scout to bed and she was like, why are you sad? And you guys, I thought I was doing such a good job. Like I thought I was like, I could hide all those emotions. I thought I was hiding it. Like, you know, and I was like, why do you think I'm sad? I was like, Oh, do I look sad? She goes, yeah. Why are you sad? And then I just sat there for a second. I go, I really miss daddy. And she was like, Oh, you should go call him. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) And that was such a good message to me that like, first of all, Scout is so stinking smart, but like, I need to take care of myself. And she saw that and was like, yeah, you should go take care of yourself. Like, (laughs) Go get your stuff figured out. Take some time for yourself. (laughs) I think that is such, I think that is such a beautiful moment there for her also to see you in a vulnerable emotion and knowing that this is really hard because I have had some meltdown moments, (laughs) not proud of some of my moments, but it had me recognize that. (laughs) Yeah. Harder than I think it is. I think I got this, but it's really affecting me. And I've talked to my kids about it and shown them, you know what, I, I am getting teary right now. And this is why, and I'm feeling this way. And it's completely 100% cool. I feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. Quarantine, man. Now I have a question. So especially on your ask a therapist Thursdays, like what questions have you been getting from parents about their quarantine struggles? I have gotten a lot of questions about regression in kids. And I've, I've gotten some questions Ooh, okay. about playing out different different things. But a lot of regression and acting out behaviors or misbehavior, mm-hmm. um, misbehavior in quotes, because misbehavior is so different for everybody. But what they yeah. feel is really frustrating. And, um, you know, like kids who have been potty trained and are not potty, like have regressed in that area or eating, just a lot of power struggles going on right now. And I think a lot of that is too, is because kids are also trying to figure it out. They they know that something has completely shifted in the world and are picking yeah. up on that and um, are making sense of it. And it would be completely normal for them to, to react that way when they don't mm-hmm. have kids, don't have a lot of control as is. And then to have this feel a little bit out of control, we're all kind of feeling a little bit out of our control. We're all kind of dealing with this. And, and uh, of course they're going to have a little bit of that as well as they're feeding off of us. So uh, that's been probably a lot of, a lot of the overwhelm too, um, with how do you manage this, um, like anxiety or a little bit of depression because they're not able to do the things that they, they did before and grief. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of grief. I think we've kind of gone through this grief cycle as it, as it's gone on and, um, grief can be up and down all the time. And so our kids are going to be that as well. I think we are that as well. As adults, yeah, we're feeling all of those. So, is your is your advice to those parents, especially with those regressions and you know, quote unquote misbehaviors? Is that just? I mean, I know that you would probably give specialized advice to specialized questions, but in terms of all of it, is it just kind of being understanding, validating them, knowing that it's normal, helping them find control in other ways? Yeah. My, my question, my answer, I could probably answer every question with special place. <laughs> go do some special place. Yeah. But re- <laughs> yes, but that's perfect. We'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially if kids are in therapy and they can't access therapy. That's what's so great about special play because a lot of it too is, is some uh, basic play therapy skills. 
But um, I, I would connect, can not only connect with themselves, tap in more with themselves, but tap in, connect with your child. And a lot of times the, the misbehavior goes away. And, and if they're young, the play works great. And if they're older, it's just connecting and really trying to understand. And a lot of the times when our kids are driving us crazy, it's not about them. It's about us and something that's being triggered internally. And so we're really trying to tap into to that, get curious about what that's going, what's going on for us um, to, mm-hmm. to react in that way. And I would probably be willing to bet that most parents are a little bit hypersensitive now because we're a little bit more on edge um, with our circumstances. And so little things that maybe didn't bother us bother us a lot more. And a lot of that negativity too can, kids can feed off of that. They can feel, they can feel that and they can feel discouraged. I do believe that we all have somewhat of a sense about our kids and we have this guiding point. So we know, we know, so tapping into that internal, like mama, like we know we have this intuition and, and just going with it. Like if, if our kids are misbehaving, sometimes we kind of know what's going on. We know why, but it's just having someone else validate that they know why, like, you know, it just, just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. When you talk about that intuition, I feel like Logan and I are always saying things like something's going on. Something's going on with that one. You know, like yeah. <laughs> we're always like, what do you right. think yes. it is? It's, it's something. So, you know, like, something I feel that, like that's a yeah, nightly we, conversation that we have. <laughs> that's awesome because that, that's the awareness. And if we have, if we take the time to really like get curious, what, what is going on in there and looking at it in a deeper way yeah. and, and working with that. Yeah. We all, we all kind of deep down might know the answer to that. And actually, most of the parents actually are answering their own question at the end. They'll, they'll like answer the question and then in the question mark. And I'm like, yeah, you've got it. You just are needing someone to validate that. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. You're not a horrible parent. We're, we're all trying the best that we can. And, and, mm-hmm. and even, even then, kids are so adaptable. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they can forgive us for our, our imperfections. Yeah, yeah. For sure. thank goodness. <laughs> But if you're in doubt and your child is struggling, mm-hmm. prioritize special playtime, prioritize listening and just giving them your full attention because yeah. that is going to turn things around faster than anything else. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I, and I feel like sometimes parents really want a quick fix. Like they just want the problem oh, to go yeah. away. And I think yes. you are absolutely right. If you want something, it's not a quick fix. A lot of the times it's, it's, a matter of investing in some time and also just understanding why play can really get them to that, to that level of feeling understood. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if it's for older children, it's that connecting piece of having that, of them feel like they are heard. It's so powerful. What yeah. do you do if we're in quarantine, we're homeschooling, we are, making our children lunch. We are then playing with them. We are then trying to create a craft so that they don't fight with each other. Then we feel guilty because they watch their movie and then we're making dinner and, you know, maybe dad is working from home and so he's more available, but then he's also not because he has to be working and we're feeling very tired and we're getting to the point where maybe we a little bit hate our children. (laughs) What do you do with that feeling? (laughs) 
we're all laughing because I think we all can relate to that right? yes as she's talking I'm like how did you know how what my day was yesterday yeah. how did yeah. you know everything <laughs> we've all been at the moment I it always for me goes back this is and I'm going to go from a personal perspective and reframing sometimes it's just reframing first of all getting curious about like I said earlier about where that's coming from that um, irritability, because I can get really irritable to like, I can feel like the things that my child is doing is way, it's causing me to feel a lot of frustration more than it normally would. And I've got to recognize that. So recognize that, give yourself grace for this situation. And at the same time, do things that are going to fill your cup to be able to fill their cup as well. And like I said earlier, it's not your job to do everything for your child. And something that has helped me during this time has been to have a little, like a loose schedule. So there's a schedule that we have in a home and I am purposely putting in those play times, but also purposely putting in those alone times. And that has been everything for me. And also making sure I'm doing that, walking outside and taking some fresh air. And my kids and I have started to do this mindful morning of the morning of like, just even breathing, you know, like let's breathe. Let's practice all that, like your podcast, have, listen to this podcast and get all those ideas of, of how to take care of ourselves and life will be a lot easier. I think it's more about taking care of ourselves. I think than than our kids annoying us, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. <laughs> I have found that to be true for me. If I'm taking care of myself, then this isn't, this is a breeze. This isn't been difficult. The moment that I start, I stopped and I'm, and I'm adding on a lot of things and I'm, and I'm not doing that, then all of a sudden I'm feeling really overwhelmed and one extra thing just feels like too much. And I think it's recognizing that and being okay. Mm -hmm. That happens. And, and also I think um, recognizing that these moments can be really small and in small little moments of just being present and they can have a compounding effect. And so if 30 minutes isn't going to work in your schedule right now, like a week, then little moments throughout the day can compound into so much too. And just recognizing like, like for us, we have, we just have these moments. I just kind of clear a little moment in the day after lunch that I'm available and I haven't hopped on to any work. I think that I'm just going to be available and we're going to do something fun. And another thing that I, we've kind of created in the house too is to create, to work really hard in the mornings and then have space for the afternoons for fun and play. Or like if it's, or sometimes the, the week, work really hard Monday through Thursday and the things that we need to get done and, and get that out of the way for Fridays just to be like fun Friday. Like, like let's not get stressed. And I think for me, I feel like parents are a little too worked up about homeschooling and the situation, it's tough. And I want to validate that because it really is really hard and I feel it. And there are moments that are really hard, but I think if we can reframe that as well, because the minute that we are constantly in that, like, oh, this is really hard, then it will be, it will be hard. But if we can, can, if we can, if we need to recite affirmations or whatever it is, if we can change that mindset to like, this is, this, let's look at the gratitude in this. Let's look at these moments of like, oh, I love this moment of the day that wouldn't have happened otherwise, then mm-hmm. 
it changes everything. And that has changed for me during this time as finally, have I, as I done those things that I mentioned earlier, and I kind of reframed my, my mindset play has been a lot easier because I recognize also, this isn't going to be forever. And our kids also don't play forever. That's something I didn't mention earlier is that they really only play in this like imaginative fun play until, like we said earlier, until they're like eight. So kind of between three and eight is like these prime with our prime moments really being four and five, really of their like true best imaginative play. And so capturing that, be a part of that and just know that it's really not a forever thing. And neither is this quarantine. It's just a day by day thing. and It's not forever. And that helps me get through through all that. You don't really hate your children. You <laughs> I know we all really don't. We can feel that. And I think we it's okay to feel like <laughs> and be okay. Like be okay and admit like it is this is hard. Like let's admit that and admit the the grief of the things that we are missing and have lost and set that aside and not not constantly be picking that up and putting it in our brains every day. If we can set it mm-hmm. aside, say it it is and then move on and and get into some play and go see how it how it is for you I think that that has helped me a lot okay so one last question because yeah there's going to be a lot of parents and I have heard this from parents in my office and then I've also gotten like dms through the thought spot about this what if Mm -hmm. people don't like getting on the ground and playing imaginative play what is your advice to them? Do they just need to get over it and do it anyway? Do they do something <laughs> different? Like, what do you, what would you say to them? Yep. I get that question all the time as well. Even people who are signed up for my, my play class, because I know that they want to, but they just like, uh, still can't, I can't do I it. I hate it. I get yeah. it. They're like, oh, <laughs> pretending. No, I, thank you. <laughs> you know, I think it, let's all be real for a moment. I mean, we are, it's very rare that a person in an adult, is like, yes, I cannot wait to get this <laughs> imaginative play. It's just yeah. not where our brain is. There really, there might be some, there are some people who are very tapped into their inner child, but our inner children are really deep, deep, deep down in there. Yeah, and, most and of not, us are not. Yeah. We, yeah, even a play, as a play therapist, you probably can relate. It's, it's a lot of work to get into that place, that play space. Yes. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that we're not, it's not about, showing up as your child. It's about you showing up as you and you are an adult and that's not to be expected for you to be in that same level of play. You are just holding space. And so practicing those, those that being able to hold the space and tracking what your child is doing, like I said earlier, so tracking and all you're doing is announcing out loud what they're doing and then reflecting feelings. If you can do those two things, those are very basic play therapy skills, you're playing. You're, you are there with them or they think you're playing. And, mm-hmm. I, and I didn't yeah. mention this earlier too. It, we're not, I'm, they're not, special play is not about us engaging our agenda or our play theme into them. Because the minute that we do, like we bring in our, if I were to bring in a scenario in, then I'm, not allowing them to play out what they need to. It's like kind of when, if you've ever had an experience that you're trying to think of a word and you're like stumbling and somebody interjects a word and because they, they're trying to like help you finish that sentence, but it wasn't the word that you were looking for. You mm-hmm. feel kind of misunderstood because they're, 
trying to speed you up and they're giving you the words, but if they were just to stand back and just allow you to kind of sit back and kind of figure it out in your head and like in and process and talk, it's so much, it's deeper. You're, you're sometimes if somebody also mentions something, your mind goes somewhere else. That's the same thing with a child. So it's mm-hmm. also understanding that you don't have to necessarily bring anything to the table, but yourself. You don't have yeah. to bring yeah. any play skills. You just are there. And if you can just be there without your phone and watching your child, then anybody can play. <laughs> yes. Anybody can do it. It doesn't, you don't have to necessarily have any other skills or desire, but just to be there. And honestly, that's all kids really want. And if they invite you like, Hey, will you pretend we put this hat on and pretend to be that allow them to, to guide you into the next step. And so you can do that by, okay, well, what else do you want me to say? Or what would you like me to do? Mm-hmm. And if you're always putting it back on them to, to kind of guide you, then honestly, you're just there. You're just, you're, you're, you're not doing anything else, but showing up. Yeah. It's not as hard as you think it would be. Right. And it's not as excruciating as like my Barbie says <laughs> hi to your Barbie. And, you know, and so I think that you've given people some hope. Yeah. They can do yeah, it. Yeah. There's hope. You can do it. And you will find that you actually enjoy it. And um, you will learn so much about your child more than you ever even realized. And that's what the beautiful thing is. All right, Christy. So you are for this quarantine time, you've created a course on special play. Correct. Can you tell us about it? I have. Yeah. I, I really wanted to, well, first of all, I am trained in something called CPRT, which is child parent relationship training. And it's basically taking play therapy skills and teaching parents. I found that the kids that I worked with, and there were kids that sometimes I was working with them for months or even a, over a year. And I found that as soon as I brought their parents in, I taught them these skills, their, the amount of work that their kids did, it, they, were, they were out of my office and into the world without having to come back really quickly, a lot quicker than any of the other kids that didn't have that same opportunity. And it, so the CPRT that I have been trained in is from, it's very well researched, tons of research. In fact, I think more research than a lot of parenting, a lot of parenting guidance out there that haven't, haven't been um, researched. But yeah, the course is by a, a man named Dr. Gary Landris, and he, it's actually a 10-week course normally that I have taught. And I, I have or have done it before in the past where it is 10 weeks and we meet for an hour at least every week. I have condensed it for this time of the quarantine into a 30-minute kind of podcast-like way that you can just download and listen to. And it just gives you the rundown, the why how to set it up and also just the power of play. A lot of it is just really getting the buy-in about how powerful play is for kids. And so in 30 minutes, you can learn how to do it. And then there's a bunch of videos um, that just maybe take it a little bit, like really tiny videos that just kind of show maybe the tracking or the reflecting um, with me doing it with my child. So I wanted to provide this because I felt like parents, Right now, not only are we feeling really frustrated with our kids and we're needing this connecting time um, as we're trying to do this homeschool and all that, and also for the kiddos who really also need to process this and haven't, and maybe haven't had the opportunity to, whether they were seeing therapists or not, a therapist or not, um, it can be for every child. Special play is not just for kids in therapy. It can be for every child, but especially for those that aren't able to see their parents, their 
their therapist in person. If a parent can take over and do that just for right now or continue to do it, but do that when they can get to do it in the playroom again with their therapist, if they can couple that together. Oh, right there. That's amazing. That would, that would be so awesome. Yeah. And such a awesome resource that you're offering everybody for free. So, and I mean, I just registered for it yesterday, so it's a very easy process. You just go onto her Instagram and it'll lead you to the website, takes you through all the steps and it's laid out right there for you in these little uh, snippets. So it's awesome. And you also have a podcast. I do. I have a podcast that I have recently started in February. I think I'm working on my episode 11. So I'm definitely, I'm a newbie in the podcasting world. I've wanted to do it for so long, um, but finally set the goal for 2020 to get that finally in the works. And I love it. It's been really fun. So I do. It's the Playful Nest. So it's all across the board, the same thing. So is my website, theplayfulness.com, which you can also get to that course there if it's easier. And I would, I would make mention too that you, to get it for free, put free in the, you don't need to even put in any credit card information, but you do need to put free in so that okay. it can take off the registration amount. Yeah. So just, okay. just remember that if there's a problem, people have emailed me or DM'd me and I've gotten taken care of right away. So, okay. Yeah. I do yeah. have a podcast. So, so awesome. And some really cool topics like how children are wired for connection, allowing your children to struggle, figuring out what's behind your child's behavior. I mean, I feel like all these topics are things that I think on a daily basis with my kids. So you can tune into Christy's podcast, listen to those topics. And hopefully with this podcast and all of the great information and resources that she's offering, us parents can get a little bit of relief from all the pressures of quarantine in terms of taking care of our children. So thank you so much, Christy, for coming on here and gracing us with your presence and all of your knowledge. We seriously can't thank you enough. No, thank you. It's been so much fun. And I love chatting with my fellow therapist. It's so fun. (laughs) So thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process. So please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com. And if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears. And our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.